Welcome to another edition of Open All Ours. There's it's times you don't want to do podcasts, but you know you have to, and today's one of them. Um, sadly, we lost Terry Venables last week, and there was no way we could pay tribute to what he'd done for QPR. But this is our way of trying to do our best by having a podcast with Morton Percival. Thanks for joining us, Morton. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for asking me. And two ex-players at QPR who played under Terry, and Simon Steenrod. Welcome back, Simon, and thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. And uh, it's just an honour to be able to talk about Terry. Thank you. And first time on our podcast ever, and should have happened years ago, I can only apologise, Gary, but welcome to Gary Mucklebite as well, and thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, and it's a, it's a great pleasure to talk about Terry. Uh, first things first, Simon, I could be massively wrong, but Martin thinks, and he could be right, you might have been Terry's first signings. Is that, was, was that true? Well... If you asked Barry Silkman, Silky would say he was his first signing. But Silky would also say he was the best player that he signed and that, uh, uh, you know, he's he's the greatest football that ever lived. Modest but man. I think we signed the same day. So, uh, yeah, I think I was equal first signing. And and and, the, and by a long way, the much better one. <laughs> what? What? What struck you about Terry the first time he came to QPR and he, he spoke to you about coming to join us? Did he give you uh, a bit? I've only ever had managers that uh, seem to be against me. You know, well, I'll say that. Uh, at Oldham, you know, Jimmy Frizzle, he, he, was, he was great, you know, and he, he just let me play. But I never really had a conversation with him about tactics or what you were thinking or how you should uh, develop as a player. And I met Terry for lunch uh, at the old uh, rail hotel at King's Cross and uh, with, with Archie Warren, Arnie Warren. And um, in half an hour, I learned more about football and like be more motivated and excited to do something about playing football than ever I had in, in the whole of my life. Like, you know, and I was a kid who loved playing. Like, you know, you know, I lived with a ball. Every, every morning I got a ball out practicing before I did anything. And talking to Terry, I thought, crikey, it's like, it's a different world. It's like, you know, I need to listen to this fella. So that he was the reason that I, signed. I could have signed for Chelsea the same week. And, um, and it was down to, um, it was a choice between... Um, uh, Jeff Hurst and Terry Venables, so like you know, very reputable choices. But Terry's Terry's conversation was just like from another level, and everybody says it. Everyone that's worked with him says the same thing. Uh, he, he was like, he was the pre-Guardiola Guardiola, but with a bit more football in him and a bit more entertainment and yeah. more intelligence and a, and a much nicer fella. <laughs> And he could sing as well. Well, he could sing. He could write books. Yeah. He could. He could do more things. Couldn't keep me under control, but that's all right. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't good. He tried. Gary, what, yeah, what, he was. No, no, he wasn't. Gary, you you came with Tommy Doc, didn't you? And um, yeah. you, you 
you that what was your when when you heard Terry was coming into QPR? What did you think? Obviously, after what happened with Terry with um, Doc, that was weird. But anyway. uh, well, the Doc had brought me to QPR, and unfortunately, he didn't last very long. Uh, yeah. In fact, the chief scout took over um, for a very short period of time. Came up to me and uh, wanted to pay my contract up. Wow. Oh, yeah, and I said, well. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wait until he comes, and um, I'll take. It now. Um, and luckily for me, Terry took over, and um, I went to see him, told him the situation, played in a reserve game, um, and I did quite well. And then I came to see him after the game, and um, I said, "What do you think?" He said, "Well, he said one swallow doesn't make a summer." He said, "But we've done well today. Let's see how it goes." And I was just so lucky that Terry took over. It could have been anybody. And I had somebody there in charge who, who was amusing, clever, intelligent, football-minded, loved the players. He just had everything. Um, and as a team and as all us players, we were just very fortunate that he took over to our club. What difference, Martin? Obviously, you. I'm going to hand the podcast over to you now, um, because you were there in them days. I was only a child in Belfast. The only thing I can thank Terry Venables for is the first time I've seen QPR live. I don't know if Gary and Simon, you remember this? It was a little thing called the FA Cup final in '82, um, <laughs> and that uh, was the first time I'd ever seen QPR. Everyone around Norway didn't even really know, apart from Alan McDonald was yeah. saying from our street. So that's how I got into QPR. Right. So Martin, please take over as you were watching QPR on Endes. But tell me first, when we got him, poached him from Palace, bit of bad blood though, wasn't there? With Palace, they, they weren't happy. Palace were not happy at all. I mean, the, the, the story that Terry tells, there was a very good interview actually that the club re-ran on the website a few days ago as a tribute to Terry, which was from November 2009. And apparently the story was that... Um, Palace basically put Terry up for sale and they sold him for £100,000, which is incredible. I mean, I've never heard of a story like that before. There's no reason why Terry would make something that up. And and they said to Terry, look, Jim Gregory's come in. He's prepared to give us £100,000 compensation for you. Do you want to go? So Terry, of course, being the clever individual that he was, turned it around and said, well, do you want me to go? And they sort of like, well, mm, we could do with the money. So he said, fine, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go, and go back to Rangers because that's where I came from. Um, so apparently that was the story of how he went back. Um, but yes, uh, there's two versions of the, the, the Terry and Toby Doherty story. I mean, Toby Doherty, I think he says that Rangers were top of the table at the time that he left. Well, if you look at the league table, we certainly weren't. We were struggling actually at that time. And, and, and to be fair to Tommy, his first season, 79-80, we'd done well actually and, and we finished not too far away from a promotion spot but the um 80 81 season just wasn't going anywhere as i'm sure gary will remember and, and doc was struggling and in the end i think he and jim gregory had a fallout and if anybody ever fell out with jim gregory there was only ever going to be one loser um so that's how tommy left but um there was previous between tommy and terry because um Tommy Doherty had been a young manager at Chelsea when Terry just came through the youth team around 64, 65. And he was one of the, uh, I think it was the infamous Blackpool eight who were all uh, dropped on the day of, I think it was coming up for an FA cup tie that they had, which they ended up losing six, two. 
because uh, Tommy Dock sent eight of the players back to London, uh, including people like Eddie McCready and John Hollins, who were obviously already very, very good players. So uh, there was there was previous between Tommy Dock and, and Terry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Gary, a question for you. I mean, you, you played for both of them and you played obviously for Tommy Doherty at United and, and say what you will, that United team was a bloody good one under Tommy Doherty. Um, you know, they won the FA Cup and they played very nice football, et cetera, et cetera. And then you, you, you came back home to London with him. How would you compare Tommy Dock and Terry Venables in terms of management style, personality, et cetera, et cetera? Um, yes, yeah, difficult question because although I was at United, I wasn't really most of the time with the first team. Right. And that's really why I left United. They offered me a, 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 another contract, but I'd, I'd been playing, I'd been captain the youth team and I'd played in the reserves numerous times. And I just didn't feel that I was getting close enough to the first team, close enough to train with the first team or or, or, or whatever. Yep. And so when they offered me the contract um, and the doc um, had, had gone by this time, he had it was Dave Sexton in charge. He had gone to QPR. Of course, um, yes. I I, um, I sort of thought about it and I thought, well, it gives me a chance to go back home. Mm-hmm. And it gives me a chance to go with somebody who, who who I knew liked me as a young player. Yeah, yeah. Um, an opportunity to get in, but I never had loads of training with um, the doc or with um, um, his assistant manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a bit forceful on the training pitch, as much as I remember. Going to see with Terry, Terry, Terry was just so different, but he was so different to everybody. Yes. Um, and at an early stage, in the early stage of training, I mean, we were just used to showing players down the line, and um, the le- the right back would would show the left winger down the line and try and stop him crossing the ball. All of a sudden, Terry changed it and said, "No, what we're going to do is we're going to show players in inside. We're going to close up the pitch when we're defending. We're going to mm-hmm. open up the pitch when we're attacking." And then all of a sudden, we started thinking, "Well, what's he talking about?" But when we started training and working on it. Suddenly, it, it it was working, and it was it was marvelous, and it it was the start of a, a a new way of playing that none of us would do before, and definitely certainly not me. Yeah, and could Terry still play a little bit himself at that time, Gary? I mean, because he'd been a good player just a few years before. He could have, but he he, he was he, he wanted his voice to be heard all the time yeah. on the playground, so he just took control. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm just so glad he did. Yes, yes. Now, Simon, you'd, you'd obviously played with people like Jimmy Frizzell before at, at Oldham. Um, no disrespect to Jimmy Frizzell, but, you know, a, a different calibre, really, from Terry. What were your early impressions of Terry as a coach, as a tactician, and as a as a man-manager? Um, he, he was very friendly. You know, he's like... Uh, he was like... Um, He'd come and ask you what you thought about stuff, and uh, and and listen to actually what you were saying, mm. and be interested by it, and then come back uh, with a plan for you. Uh, he, he was just he was just very very clever at looking at the individual, and, and seeing what they had as a personality besides just what he could play with, and how to use that to 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 the individual's benefit. I've always I've always said like when you when you went training with Terry, 
you might be working in a in a group, but as an individual, you came away thinking like I've learned something else there. Every training session was um, a learning experience, like and and even every conversation. You know, I mean, like me and John Gregory, we used to talk to him after a game and things like that. And we 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 try and be a little bit clever because, like you know, you you cocky and you're confident. You want to, you know, you you've got a manager that's cocky and confident. You want to test him, and he got an answer for everything. He was brilliant. He was just like he was like from another planet. Um, but at the same time, you know, he got a chairman that was also um, he might have been a notch above Terry. You know, he was like uh, so he got. In the same club, you've got a chairman that's like really, really uh, not risk averse. He's got a, a guy in there that can answer to any, any, anybody, any question. He's got, he's got something to say, and you were, and they were developing it by a different way of playing, with players that were open to um, open to new ideas and different ways of playing. And thinking, and we had the confidence in the coach that uh, that he could lead us to something. You know, I mean, I'd never had a coach that that l- had a style of play or um, uh, um, a way of talking to players that could like uh, improve you as an individual. And and from that, uh, it was just it was just he's in from another level. There's been, mm-hmm. there's nobody. There is nobody who's coaching or coached at that level. You know, people could talk about Bielsa, Guardiola, Johan Cruyff. I mean, T- TV did it at Barcelona. They'd not won a title for 17 years. He went to Barcelona. They won it the first season, play, playing the same way we played at QPR. Yeah. So, you know, he's, um, he's a one-off. Yes. Now I'm you went to on- have known him. You went on to manage, obviously, Simon, yourself. Was was Terry a bit of a influence looking back with the benefit of hindsight in terms of your own management style? Did you pick up anything in the terms of tips and tricks from Terry that you used yourself? Uh, I, you know, I've, I've been accused of being big-headed. In my, I'm, I'm not that big-headed to try and copy Terry Venables. So uh, the short answer is not really, no. Um, I, you know, I, I actually thought um, if I get this job, I was quite young when I got a job. I was 32 when I became a manager. Mm. And uh, and I thought uh, there's no point in trying to copy Terry because you're never, ever going to be as good as that. But it's not to say that there aren't certain things that you would apply to it. But in Scotland, uh, I found it more useful to apply um the methods of Howard Wilkinson or Graham Taylor uh, in the fact that, you know, to try and play fast, aggressive, uh, positional football with like long throwings, good corners and and people who could keep the ball at the pitch. Nothing to do with how we played at QPR. So, no, uh, no, I don't, I, I don't think I could have done what Terry did. No, no. So, so Gary, you know, looking at that time, Tommy Doc left, Terry came in. I think you made the team a few months later, didn't you? You, you made your debut, I believe. It was it against Blackburn? Was it you played? I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, ha- ha- clearly Terry had faith in you. 
And it then it just built, didn't it? You know, you ended up becoming a first team regular. You know, you were scoring goals yourself. You were making goals for the likes of Simon and, and, and John Gregory. Any particular sort of standout memories from, from that era? Yeah, there are a couple, actually. Um, so I, I made my, my debut um, and it was around, I think it was around about October or September. But I was meant to make it in, in April and May. Mm. Terry had come to me um, in, in April and said, I'm going to give you a debut tomorrow. This was Friday morning. And um, we went out training. I was so pleased, so delighted. We went out training, and uh, I got injured in a challenge with Budgie. And uh, <laughs> you know, he was a little bit heavy-handed, and and uh, I sort of half turned my knee, and um, I was out for about five weeks. Mm-hmm. I was devastated. You know, I'd mm-hmm. wait for my debut, wait for everything to come along. Um, but. Sometimes I think things were done for a reason and it gave me an opportunity to settle down, get myself a little bit more confident. And when it came in the um, the following season, I was yeah. ready for it and I was, yeah, I was absolutely delighted. Um, but going on from what Simon said, you know, an example of what Terry was like. So we'd played, and I was about 19 at the time, and we, we'd played um, a few games and... I was playing on the right wing. Stevie Burke was playing on the left wing. Um, and we, we played a few games and the crossing wasn't up to the standards it should have been. And Monday morning, we've gone in and Terry's called us both to him. And he said, um, listen, guys, he said, um, you're the two best crosses of the ball in the club. He said, but you're getting down the line and you keep crossing it behind the goal. He said, what's happening? I said, well, boss... It's very difficult when you're getting a ball and you're pushing it past someone and then at pace, you're trying to cross it. I said, the momentum seems to take it behind the goal. He said, what are you aiming for? I said, I'm aiming for the six-yard line, aim for the penalty spot. Mm. He said, you aim for the penalty spot. He said, and your momentum will not take to the penalty spot. It will take it to the six-yard line where you want it to be. I went, brilliant, okay. Tried it, it worked a treat. Right. And within that, I sort of learned two things. I learned that he was a bit of a genius and he knew so much more than I did or whatever. And he also was smart enough to give me a lot of confidence. Mm. It said to me and Stevie Burke, you're the two best crosses in the club. And I didn't even thought about that. Mm. So I come away feeling so good and confident. And that's what he was like with everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people forget because he was such a good manager. They also forget that he was a very good player as well. So he yeah. knew these things. You know, it wasn't just theory. It wasn't out of just some coaching manual. He actually knew it from his own personal experience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I mean that that season that you came through ended up being a great season for Rangers, and we ended up being at Wembley. You know, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. What What are your memories of that run up to Wembley, and then the build up actually to the final itself, Gary? It was it was strange. So I'm sort of in and out of the team, and then we've we've suddenly got a, a, a quarter final against Palace, I believe, at yeah. Loftus Road. Terry's old team, yeah. Terry's old team, and and we get the win. All of a sudden, we're playing um, West Bromwich Albion in the in the semi final. John Gregory can't play, and John was one of the you know one of the best players in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was good and bad for me because it meant that I had an opportunity to play, but I was playing without John, who was one of the better players. But 
driving to the to the game, um, all the fans, um, the Highbury and everything that went with it, it was it was just a wonderful occasion. Mm. You know, and to get a sort of scruffy goal, bouncing off Clive's knee and bouncing in the net um, was wonderful. And then just after that, one of their players um, cut inside and shot with his right foot and I was right behind it. And I was swearing it was going in the top corner. And at the last minute, it veered left of the post and went out mm. for a goal kick. And I, I thought, oh, maybe we do have a chance here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all of a sudden, like, the game had ended. And there was a lot of young players in the team, you know, myself, Warren. Yeah, Gary, Gary Waddock. You know, um, Peter Ruckham wasn't much older. Simon was probably a couple of years older. It was really only John was the older player. Clive was the same age yeah. as me. Ian Gilly. Um, he- Gillard, I guess, was yeah, one of the older citizens, but 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 yeah, generally it was a young team, wasn't it? It was, yeah. you know, and, and the the happiness that came with that was just incredible. And then to go to Wembley, um, and again, I was subbing the game, but mm. Clive got injured after five minutes. Yeah, um, and you so I was on at half time, um, and then to get a draw, then felt like a win. Um, and then to come back for the replay and really be the better team mm. and not lose, and, and then for me to score and it be to disallowed, you know that was which um, I still don't understand why that was disallowed. No, I, I, I don't really understand. It possibly could have been offside, but I, I really don't know. There was no real definition of why it was disallowed. No, um, no, no. but you know, there we go. These things yeah, happen. And fantastic memories. Simon, it, you're, it, sorry, carry on, Gary. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, but he took off from there. So with that confidence from getting to that final in the cup run the next season mm. and in fact the next pre-season we had a terrible pre-season um, we lost a lot of games mm. but pre-season doesn't always mean anything and all of a sudden the season started and then we went on a run and, and then run and the run just picked up and then there was no stopping us and we'd won the league by very early yeah yeah the likes of Wolves weren't even close in Fulham, really. It was it no. was Rangers all the way. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and even to go on from from there. Um, so when we've gone um, to the next season, I remember going in for pre-season training, and Terry bringing us all together and saying to us, "Right," he said, "I've looked at this league, and I'm telling you now, we can win this." <laughs> and like we sort of look at one another, he said, "There's no one here better than us. We can win this." And all of a sudden, we sort of think to yourself. Oh, well, if he thinks we can win it, yeah. we, we, we got a chance, and we finished fifth. Yeah, which which was yeah. an incredible achievement in yeah. many ways. And we could you have know, finished and, higher. Yeah, yeah. I remember Terry saying that if, if you if you aim for the sun and just reach the moon, you ain't done too bad. Mm. Mm. And and that was sort of his outlook, I think. Yeah, yeah. So Simon, that that same period from you know eighty two, eighty three. FA Cup final in 1982 and onwards. What what are your sort of standout memories of that era? Um, a big standout one for me is like the the replay at Middlesbrough, mm-hmm. uh, January '83, yeah, big cup run. Slight, like, you know, we we sneaked to draw at home uh, and then uh, went up to Middlesbrough uh, and and I'd I'd not been very well and Terry like be ringing me at home. Uh, the, the lads had, had gone there already, like, and uh, I'd had food poisoning. And um, um, the guy, I think the game was on a Wednesday, and I didn't set off until the Wednesday morning, so I'd not seen the lads and what have you. 
I can remember getting there feeling terrible. First thing I'd had to eat for like three days was in the hotel when I got into uh, um, wherever it was near Middlesbrough where we were staying. And, you know, I travelled up on the train. I was shattered, like, and TV, he just, you know, he came up like he said, if you don't fancy it, you don't have to play. And I was just went, like, <laughs> said, there's, no way, there's no way I've come up all the way on the train, like, not to play. And uh, so he said, do you think you think you can really play? Are you fit enough? I said, yeah, I think I can. And for me, that was, like, uh, it was the most one of the most fun games ever because it was, like, a terrible, incredible atmosphere, mm. uh, like the old Ayrson Park. They're fancying the chances. And we've ended up going there, and, and, and I think there was extra time played, was there not? There was, we, yeah, we, there was. I think Warren Neal scored in extra time, I seem to recall. Yeah. And he, he scored a worldy like, but, but you know, going up there and having the, the, the character to say to Terry, yeah, I want to play. And then, you know, I scored two in the game, and... Uh, and he says it was not, it was the third round, isn't it? You know, so it's the first game that we play, and to I always remember that, like going out to Wembley, thinking about that, that that it had been against the odds, and that Terry had the confidence. If I said like you know I wanted to play, he backed me. You know, I could have I could have had could have had a nightmare. It had been quite easy, and uh, so yeah, that's a, a big thing for me that Terry had. The confidence in the players that if they said, "Yeah, you know, I can do this, I can do that," Terry, he, he'd trust you. You know, he's like he, he was a he was a big man for trust. Mm. You know, trust him and trust in players. And uh, so, yeah, that that would be a favourite for me. Very good. Very it's a quick three of you while you're here, and it's just sorry, Martin, as you you guys have been talking. Go. go. And um, obviously, I was back in Northern Ireland and stuff, but. It always pissed me off. Sorry to join the podcast, uh, listeners. That outside West London, we didn't really get the credit we deserved for that team. You know, mm. to, to, to win the league the way we did and the way we played was revolutionary. And yet, no one really talked about it. To, to, to face Tottenham and outplay them from a lower division and the players they had in the nationals. Why didn't Terry and, and you guys get the credit you deserve? Do you think? Do you think it's because the media's always biased towards the Northwest or what? Because we were superb. Can I, well, can I, I answer that? I think people did realise how good Terry was. I think Barcelona realised how good Terry was. You know, um, maybe the club didn't get the credit, but Terry got the credit. And uh, once Terry gone, unfortunately, the, the, the team, it just flew away. You know, it broke down. It was never the same, was it? No, it wasn't. Yeah. What do, What are your thoughts on that, Simon? The reason people didn't like it is Terry was an upstart. Jim Gregory was an upstart, <laughs> and the team like, had got had got enough upstarts in it to like annoy people. And uh, and uh, you know, we 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 got on people's nerves because we were better than them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we about the pitch and I don't think I mean yeah the plastic pitch whatever people, but that was because of the LV road we all know why we had to do it we, but we, we, were, we were brilliant away from home and no one mm. ever said that that used to annoy me yeah we were just as good away from home as yeah. we were at home yeah well, the, pitch, the pitch was a nightmare to play on so like it was like it was a, it was a pleasure to go play and go play at Arsenal they got decent pitches mm. so like you know 
Odd lines for them when we turned up and beat them. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> picking up on what Simon just said about, you know, Terry was an upstart, Jim Gregory was an upstart. I was lucky enough to have a couple of conversations with Ron Phillips a few years ago. And he talked about, you know, working with Jim Gregory was extremely challenging. The relationship between Alan Hardacre, who you might remember was the head of the Football League at the time, and, and Jim, people like Jim Gregory, Hardacre hated Jim Gregory, didn't like him at all. The Football League didn't like him. The FA weren't a big fan of Jim Gregory. So you had the combination of G Jim Gregory's club and Terry Venables as a manager. It didn't make us, you know, top of the uh, top of the hit parade, really. <laughs> <laughs> Great to play for, though. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Gary, any any Jim Gregory memories from you? Never really had a lot to do with Jim. No, um, no. Um, I, I'd come on a free transfer from United, um, and uh, so I, knew, I saw him in the background. I, I knew of his history and so forth. And uh, no, I, I, I dealt with Terry and yeah, whoever. Yeah. Do we ask Simon? I'm sure Simon has a lot to deal with him. <laughs> I used to used to go around on a Thursday and Friday afternoon and have a glass of champagne and talk about how many goals I was going to score. So it's like, it's like, uh, but he was on he was on he was on the way home for me. So it was like, uh, it was quite handy to pop into his office in Roehampton and. Uh, uh, he was he was right up my street, Jim Gregory. I have to say. Yes. yes. Uh, now getting back to Terry, we mentioned Barcelona, but they Terry had a brought QPR Martin, which was a theory of options at the time, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Um, you do wonder how we would have developed. Mm. It's, it's, it's the great. It's the great. What might have been really because yeah. uh, as Gary and Simon have said, you know, the eighty three eighty four team did extremely well straight out of the second division, easily held their own in the first division, finished fifth, could have been higher, qualified for Europe. You know, it looked like the springboard was there. And then, you know, you were reading in the sun of all places on the Monday that Terry was being linked with Barcelona and you were just laughing about it. And by the Friday, he'd gone, you know, and, and you just thought, well, you know, how's it going to pan out? And, and it, it could have been wonderful. We could have won the league the following year. I think we'd have done very, very well in Europe. And then, of course, um, Mr. Mullery came in and, um, you know, he and Terry were just not comparable at all. It was it was another league in every sense of the word. No, and, and I'm speaking on that. We um, I remember one training session with um, Alan Mullery. So we started off and I struggled to get in the team with, with Alan and I think Simon did as well. And at one point he, he came in and he said, right, that's it now. It's Monday morning. He said, that's it now. He said, this is going to be my team from now on. It's not Terry Venable's team. It's going to be my team. We're going to have a match this morning. It's going to be my team v the reserves. He said, and let's see how we get on. So we <laughs> played and Simon and I were in the reserve team. <laughs> and we won, we won 4-0. I scored one and Simon scored three. <laughs> and we still didn't get the team. <laughs> I bet Mallory was delighted. I walked off the pitch at the side of Alan saying, like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, so, that, I forgot about that. Thanks for that one, Gary. Yeah, it's no, I remember it well. <laughs> brilliant. But that's, that's, that, that really is a sliding doors moment, isn't it, Martin? You know, you oh, think completely. 
look at that side and what you know, might I'm, have been. I, I, I came over a couple of years later, so I didn't see it. But, you know, you, you, I used to talk to QPR fans who would talk about Belgrade and everything else and all the other things. And Mulvey didn't seem to be the most popular person. He wasn't very popular in Whitehead either, by the way, just saying, well, I live in Northern Ireland. Um, but who could have followed Terry Venables? Let's be honest, guys. I mean, yeah. they they were massive shoes to fill for anyone. Mm. Because how, could he, how could we have done it? But it's yeah. just... Suppose if we were lucky to have Terry, wouldn't we, Simon? I mean, how, how did he help your game, to be honest? Or did he improve your game or did he give you more confidence? Or what did he do to you to, to make you the player that you were at QPR? Um, he, he just put sessions on which made you think about how you actually played. Mark, like, and, and he would, what, he would, what he would do is ask you, are there any aspects in your game that you think you should you could improve by training? And I, I had one aspect that like I found it a little bit difficult if the ground was hard or, or dry, uh, holding the ball up. Uh, like you know, it's an important part of a striker's play to be able to hold the ball up. Yeah. And so I said that like we, next day sessions on right. He's got and he's built a session just to give me confidence. And, and how to like position yourself when the ball's coming into you and it's going to bounce a little bit higher. And um, it was just the attention to detail, to every detail. And if you said, I want to do a little session after training, he'd say, well, we'll do that session, but I'm going to add one or two things to it. And like, and the, I've never had a coach. I've had, through my life, most of the coaches, when I've said like, I'd like to go and do a little bit extra, They've gone like, no, no, you need your rest. And what I, what you don't need is your rest. What they're doing is saying, I need to get home or go and see my yeah. friends or I've got yeah. a game of golf in the afternoon. And they're like, you know, they just want to piss off from work. Whereas Terry, um, well, I'm not saying that Terry would be there, but he'd put the session on and then piss off from work and do what he's <laughs> got to do because he's got other jobs. But he'd go and, go and do his singing class or whatever. But he's, uh, but, but, he he did he did have the attention to detail that no one else has ever had that I've I've played for. Yeah, yeah. I did think we were just yeah visionary is probably an overused word, but he he certainly was. And QPR, luckily, he was. was. Sorry, mate. He's he's the biggest the biggest English football visionary. That, yeah. that, that there has been. You can ask anybody. Ask Shearer. Ask Teddy Sheringham. Mm. Ask the good player that he's played with at England. Like they all say the same. Yeah, they speak very highly of him, don't they? Yeah. What, he, what, what he did, Martin, as well. Like he, he would do sessions of closing down, when to close down, when to drop off. You know, he'd, he'd tell us, tell the defence, players got time on the ball, you drop off. Players being closed down, you push up, you squeeze, you make the pitch smaller. He'd have sessions on and he'd go, right, we're playing so-and-such on Saturday. They're centre-back. He likes to show everybody how good he is on the ball. What we're going to do is we're going to let him have the ball. And when he gets his first touch, bang, eight <laughs> of us are going to push forward and close him down. And he'd have a plan in his head like this all yeah. the time for all different players. And it's it, like, he can do this, he can do that. Why well, we need to drop it is we need to do this. He'd have a way round of, of, of changing everything. Mm. And with that, it'd have a lot of humour in it as well, you know. Mm, mm. And uh, 
he had Alan Harris with him, who was a um, great character. And yeah. Tell loved him, but Tell would often take the mickey out of him, you know. Um, really great times. Yes. But we, we, we were lucky to have him. We really were. You know, it was, it, was, it was a great, great era. And the Rangers have been fortunate. You know, Dave Sexton was an amazing manager who was a student of the game and was years ahead of his time. And then we had Terry later on as well. And, and Gordon Jago doesn't get the credit that he deserves too. Gordon Jago was a fantastic manager. But by the time Simon and Gary were on the scene, you know, with Terry Venables, it, it was just a tremendous era. And you look back and, as you said, Paul, what could have happened if Terry had stayed? But we'll never know. But if he's going to buy the club, oh, well, he was. He was. Mm. Yeah, apparently. We won the league. Well, apparently during the 83-84 season, he and Jim, because it was Terry's last uh, season under contract, his contract was due up in the summer of 84, and him and Jim were having regular conversations about it. And Jim wasn't budging on the salary, and Terry wanted more money. And uh, Jim thought he was he was just playing him along, and he wasn't ever going to leave. And when Terry said he was having an interview at Barcelona, Jim apparently just laughed in his face and said, yeah, sure <laughs> you are. And then a couple of weeks later, Terry was back saying, well, I've had the interview at Barcelona. They've offered me the job. Uh, and Jim, I think, still thought he was joking um, and refused to make him an improved offer. So Terry said, fine, I'm going to join Barcelona. And that was it. But, no. you know, Jim Gregory was a sharp guy, but he didn't get that one right, I'm afraid. No. Right, before, before we um, wrap the, the podcast up and um, we'll let you gentlemen have your, your evenings back, I'd like to ask you for your memories the standout of Terry Venables. I'll start with you, Gary. What's that? What, what will you always make you chuckle or remember, Terry? Uh, uh, what makes me chuckle about him, there's one particular incident that made me chuckle. Um, we had um, a team meeting before a game. We were playing someone like Coventry away or something like that. And um, it's probably 12 o'clock Saturday lunchtime. Terry had done the team meeting. And then um, Alan Harris Harry. It said to him, Stuart, Stewarty, he said, this left back, this right back you're playing against, he said, he ain't much good. He said, he said, get the ball every time, take him on as much as you can. Every time you get the ball, take him on. He said, you're taking to the pitchers. Right? And then with that, the lads looked around and said, take him to the pitchers. And then Terry jumps in and says, I do have to apologise for Harry. He said, but when Harry was growing up, the pitchers was next door to the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I was just like curled over in laughter, you know. It was just super. Well, I'll do it. I'll do a different type of story. We were playing at Rotherham, and uh, it was a, a very violent game in bad conditions. I think we drew one-one. It was, it was uh, Emily and Hughes was manager at oh. Rotherham. He got a team. And the they, battle, they were the like, battle of Millmore, exactly. And uh, Jerry Gow jumped on my head while I was on the floor in the penalty box, and I'd got sick, I got a big gash in my head. And Peter Hooker had been carried off, taken to hospital with like you know, a, a boot in the throat from yeah. their striker. Was it Ronnie Moore? Yeah, and, it was um, Ronnie Moore. And Stevie Burke had to go in goal, yeah, yeah. And I got, uh, I got so sent off trying to do him and Hughes. Yeah, so we got, we got. I used to, I used to train at Rotherham when I was a kid for my Sunday league team, and uh, so I knew the, I knew what the ground was like. You go up the tunnel, and there's like a, a little recess where the laundry is, 
So I ran off the pitch at the end of the game, and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Jerry Gow. Uh, so I'm I'm hiding behind a wall in the recess, waiting for Jerry to come up the tunnel. And as he's come up the tunnel, I've jumped out, smashed him in the face, like and I but but I've slipped and I've gone down. And there's a 22 man brawl in the middle of the of the tunnel going up to the dressing rooms. And Terry comes right in his sheepskin coat, like, you know, all dapper, straight in the middle, trying to find Emily Hughes to batter him. I managed to crawl out from under everybody and watch the end of the fight, go in the dressing room and, uh, and see, uh, uh, have a look at my head. And I, I had to go through at the end of the game Terry's like looking all dishevelled, and he said, "Like we, we've not brought the club doctor, so you've got to go and see Rotherham's club doctor." <laughs> and he, he said to Dave Butler, the, the physio, he said, "He said is Emlyn in there?" He said, "He said yeah, Emlyn will be in their dressing room." He said, "Come on, then, let's go through." So it was me, Dave Butler, and Terry. We walked through their dressing room to go and see their club doctor, who stitched my head up with no anaesthetic. <laughs> So I got I got six stitches in my head, and uh, but TV TV was TV was there for all of us. He would have had a fight for anybody for one of his boys, and like I salute him forever. He's, yeah. he's the best ever. Yeah, that's brilliant. That is absolutely yeah. brilliant, Martin. One last memory from me. Hang on, um, hang on, no, no, hang on. Before you on. do that, before you do that, do the memory, and then I'll do what it's going to do before that. But yeah, sorry, Martin, go on. No worries. So um, my first big first division away match was November 73 at Main Road at Man City. And um, Rangers were playing really well. We'd beaten Coventry at home 3-0 the previous Saturday. Um, We'd already won away at Wolves, at Newcastle, at West Ham. We'd struggled at home for some reason, but we'd been playing really well away from home. And we, you know, Rangers fancied it at Man City. And it was the Man City team of um, Tony Book and Colin Bell and Francis Lee. And, of course, our old friend Rodney Marsh was playing for Man City at that time as well. And um, I think it was in the second half. Rangers had more than held their own. Um, but somebody tackled, I think it was Terry, actually, who tackled Rodney in the penalty area. And, of course, Rodney went down like a sack of spuds. And Terry was incensed. And I think he got booked in his complaints to the referee. And he was really, really hacked off. And I think it was on Match of the Day that night. Sadly, I know the footage isn't in the BBC archive anymore because people have tried to look for it, but it's gone. And and Terry complained bitterly about Rodney and his diving. And you could just imagine some of the conversations that must have gone on after that between Terry and Rodney. But I'm sure they were they were great mates. And it was a great era at Rangers. Um, but as I said a little bit earlier on, people forget how good a player Terry was, and he went on to be a great manager. And as Simon said, and, and as Gary said, there'll, there'll never be another Terry Venables. Uh, nobody yeah. can match him. Yeah. And um, if England had stuck with him as well, that would have been different. Absolutely. I was a Scottish fan, Martin. I'm an Irish fan, but um, yeah, they would. They were. They were. In my opinion, they were wrong to get rid of him when they did. If they give a little bit of fear for a bit longer. And show dignity and class to the man. I don't want to... um, Simon and Gary, thank you. But before we go, Martin, as a fan, tell everyone listening to this, who's maybe younger, 
the difference Terry Venables made to Queen's Park Rangers history? Yeah, I, I, I mean, the way I'd sum it up, Paul, is that, you know, we had had a great spell in the 1970s. We'd got relegated within three years. Things were a little bit flat. Um, you know, as Gary knows, Tommy Doherty's first season was pretty reasonable. Um, but by the time Terry came in, we were struggling and he just turned it around so quickly. And 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 some of the performances that we started to see, I mean, I remember Simon scoring a hat-trick at Hillsborough. I think it was in November 81, a great performance. And you could just feel, you know, the feel-good factor in the club was coming back and we were on a roll. And then we were at Wembley and then we were promoted as second division champions. And then we finished fifth in the first division and we qualified for Europe, you know, and it was just the momentum that was building up was enormous. Uh, And to your point, Paul, you just left thinking what might have been, you know, if only Jim Gregory had said, Terry, have another 10,000 a year, stay with us but it didn't happen. Um, And I I think, you know, Terry, he really enjoyed his time at Rangers. And although, you know, you read a lot of the obituaries, it's, you know, former England manager, Terry Venables, former Barcelona manager, Terry Venables, former Tottenham manager, Terry Venables. He really enjoyed his time at Rangers and the club meant a lot to him. And he meant an awful lot to the players and the supporters too. You're right. Absolutely. You know what? I can't thank Simon and Gary enough for coming on the podcast and yes, talking about you. your ex-manager. And um, there are a lot of young ones out there. I suggest you look at some footage of that QPR side. There's a young lad called Simon Stainrod in it. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. He felt better than Mr. Micklewhite with his crossing ability and his passing. And um, thank you guys for the memories yeah. you give us as, as teenagers. Just yeah. You can't oh. buy them. Paul, can I just say one last thing? Um, if, if people are looking on YouTube for videos, look for Gary's goal at Charlton in 1982. Cracking goal. <laughs> Cracking goal. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you Martin. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Where you're from as well. Thank you very much. And, and to, obviously to Terry's family, if anyone is listening to this from the family, we send just so much love and support to you guys. And um, yeah, he did make a the QPR. People sometimes make a little difference. He made a big historic difference, and um, may he rest in peace, Terry Venables.